Hello and welcome to the Evan and Emily podcast. We hope you enjoy the episode. My opinion with these types of kids is I think it is the sole responsibility of the parents when a child commits an act like this. How's it going, Emily? It's going pretty good. You know, we have Christmas behind us and the new year in front of us. So this yeah. is kind of the best week. A lot of people say this is the best week of the year. Yeah. Why, why do those people say that? I think people just say it's kind of like not a lot is expected. Work is typically slower. Just mm-hmm. a good time to relax. Yep. Kids are off school, presumably. Yes. Kids are out of school. They have a lot of Christmas gifts to entertain them. Yeah. Speaking of, what what was on the docket this year for gifts? For gifts? Okay. Oh, Tamagotchis are back. Are they? They are. So that was a stocking gift for my oldest daughter. And just the classic things, books, rainbow high dolls. What's a rainbow high doll? Don't even worry about it. They'll be out <laughs> by the time your daughter's older. They're crazy looking dolls. Okay. A lot of make- with a lot of makeup. It makes me sound really old to say that, but <laughs> and we got our kids a microscope. We got some snap circuits. We got ooh, these are all things snap- I have no idea. I know what a microscope is for the record, but okay. Okay. <laughs> everything else. Snap so circuits. Far. Snap circuits are like snap circuits. It's like a circuit board for kids, so they can okay. light up a light bulb if they connect the circuits correctly. They can gotcha create like and use electricity from a battery. I've seen these engineering then, kits that have yes, been like, popularized. Sounds similar. Yes. Yes. And Instax camera, you know, Polaroid. Mm, we have one things, of those. Legos, lots of Legos for the kids, a little kids camera, just, you know, the classic, classic kid things. Yeah. Nice. How about? For, for my you, little one. Babe, yeah. Did your baby get lots of baby things? She did. Obviously, the grandparents violated the rule number one of getting one of gift course. for her. <laughs> yeah, no, several. that's never going to fly. Yeah, but it, it turned out to be okay. She got, so we directly got her this. So one of her favorite things is this polar bear stuffed animal that she's had since she was born. And oh. before she goes to sleep every night, we bring it over and she plays with it. She goes crazy. She loves it. She like bites the nose. It's all crusted over Aww. and gross now. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got her more of like a life size one for her. There's Aww. different sizes, obviously, but this one's pretty much her size where she can like okay. once she's getting rolling and crawling and standing, she can hug it and cuddle with it, whatever. Turns out it sheds a lot more than we expected, which isn't oh, great. No. <laughs> but other than that, she really loved it. And Aww. we got this other gift that, of course, the one gift that I was excited for her about is delayed now till January 3rd. It was supposed to be here oh, a week yeah. ago. So we got her a ball pit. They oh, make, I don't know so if you're fun. familiar, yes. but they make these yes, like indoor ball pits. <laughs> and yes. Yeah. So that I think she's going to love, not only her, yes. but the cats are probably going to love it more than her. Oh, definitely. And so that'll be a good one. And you then, guys will want to throw it away when the balls 
when she gets a little older and just throws the balls around the house. <laughs> yeah. They're just literally everywhere. I, I think that's going to happen sooner than I expect. <laughs> but the other items that she got, she got a lot of really good books that we've been reading to her. This one Curious George book that has all these textures on it that she's obsessed with. And this little tricycle that it's kind of like a hybrid stroller slash tricycle. It's supposed yes, to be you like push the back. Yeah. There's like a handle up. Yes, and it's totally. supposed to like grow with her. So yes. it starts as a stroller where she's just kind of hanging out and sitting in it. And then you can kind of break it down further and further until it becomes a tricycle that she powers herself. So perfect. yeah, we, we were rolling around with her on that. She loves it. And it's not the best for outdoors because it's not very, there's no like suspension. So it's just kind of rough uh, mm. as a ride on a sidewalk. It's cool, but on the road, not so much. Not so much. Yeah. But that was probably her favorite gift. And Aww. yeah, she's been enjoying. So That's nothing too crazy. So fun. Yeah. It is really fun. I, I mean, it's like you want to say one gift, but then it really is fun to see how much they love all the stuff. I know. It's impossible to hold back sometimes. It's so it's so hard this year. Well, the problem was I started buying gifts in October because everybody said that there would be yeah. shortages. Mm-hmm. But then I feel like the problem was I just kept, instead of being like, okay, done. It was like, <laughs> you kept I going. just kept buying Started more, early and, like, and kept the train. I'm never doing that again. <laughs> doing that again it's like oh more and more yeah. okay a little extreme yep yep that's how it goes it was fun though as they're older and they know it, it was really fun though yeah and how did family time go did you spend it with your in-laws and your mom together or how did how did that play out this year went really well surprisingly there's always a drama it seems as though at holiday times but me and my mother-in-law both said we were like wow we were with my in-laws my my mother is a flight attendant so she is flying and was flying on christmas eve and christmas but gotcha. me and my mother-in-law were both like wow everyone everyone was on their best behavior it seemed like there were no hurt feelings so that all <laughs> that was great it actually was quite a smooth christmas i felt like how about you yeah overall i would agree it was smooth in the sense that we had my in-laws over for Christmas Eve, which we typically do. Uh, Usually we spend Christmas Eve with them and Christmas Day with my family. So we had my wife's parents, her brother, his girlfriend over, and we made a large Persian meal, which was awesome. And I love to cook. I love to eat. They love to eat. They love to cook. So it worked out perfectly. And we, we got to open gifts while everything was cooking. So Oh, that's fun. So you open the gifts and that's nice too. Cause it spreads out the gifts like yeah, yeah, some exactly. this night and, and instead of a, a ton. Right. Right. One day. Yeah. And then midday on Christmas, we went up to my parents, had some lunch. And then this year we did it a little bit differently where we had to kind of have an intervention for my dad who's obsessed with gift giving. That's probably okay. his love language. And okay. he, likes to go all out. He creates a list, numbers the gifts, puts them in order. He has a whole storyline involved. Oh, that's fine. You made him stop it? Yeah. So, (laughs) I mean, to a degree, he still bought a shitload of gifts, which was not the plan. But in order to kind of curb that, 
we agreed as a family we would do more of a white elephant situation this year. So we told everyone who was going to be there, which included my aunt and uncle, my cousin, her husband, uh, my brothers, Rana, oh, eight, 13. <laughs> okay. It included my parents, my aunt and uncle, my cousin, her husband, and us, and my grandma, my mom's mom. And so okay. basically what we did was we told everyone before they arrived that you should get a gift anywhere from like 50 to 100 bucks. And we will all put them in a pile. We'll pick numbers. We'll take care of that. The first person goes, picks a gift. Yeah. Second person can steal or pick a gift. Most people know the deal. So that actually went great. And it went really quick. I thought it was going to be a little drawn out if people were going to steal back and forth. But yeah, it went really well. And so... That was fun. And then we transferred to another room where my dad had a bunch of gifts. So, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. He had his own. Yeah. I, and it, everything was great, smooth. We got in and out. We were only there for a few hours. So, our daughter could get back and have a nap. But I would say the only drama, if we even want to call it that, was when we got there, we we were having some lunch and we were feeding our daughter in a high chair. And I don't know what it is, but literally everyone, and I kind of get it because they haven't seen her for a while, but everyone like swarms around her while she's eating. So she's like, what's going on? (laughs) I'm distracted. And we're just trying to feed her some food. So that was a little annoying. And on top of that, my, we were trying to eat too. So my my mom offered to help feed her, which was nice because she feeds her when she comes over to help out. So she's used mm-hmm. to it. But then my dad came along and my my mom's mom, my grandma came along and they were trying to feed her and like shoved the spoon in her mouth. <laughs> like, what are you doing? <laughs> that's not how you feed a child. <laughs> and I hope that's not how you fed your child. But that that was really it. And we we've had a constant struggle with those sorts of things. And partly because I think from my recollection and what my mom has shared with me, my dad was not very hands-on as a father at when we were young children. He didn't have a clue what to do. It was all on my mom. Totally. So yeah. I, I think that was very common of our parents. Generation. Yeah, I think so. For, for those that are curious, we're in our thirties. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> of what generations we're talking about here. Yeah. Yeah. And because the same is very true of my in-laws. Okay. Yeah. My father-in-law was, it was more my mother-in-law who was very hands-on when, mm-hmm. when the kids were young. Yeah. And so my, my dad, he's kind of just like awkward around, our daughter and he's not really sure like what to do or what to say. He's gotten a lot better and he's very loving around her, but totally, he's totally, it's just like weird things like he'll. Right. Cause it's like, they, I think they really didn't. Well, not everyone obviously, mm-hmm. but I know my father-in-law was like, I really didn't change diapers. Like I didn't. Yeah. No way. My dad never right. touched and, a yeah. diaper. <laughs> and so it's like, really they Like you're saying, whereas I feel like that's now like you and my husband are very hands-on changing diapers, doing mm-hmm. feedings, doing all the things. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know why that is. I mean, I guess just gender stereotypes in each era, but I, 
it it doesn't make sense to me for obvious reasons now looking back and putting myself in my dad's shoes why he wouldn't have even wanted to, to do that right because exactly i it's know it your is baby very, that is very interesting yes yeah i've been fascinated by that thought but obviously i have something to do about it so <laughs> that's what i'm doing so, yeah that's awesome yeah and so with the family gathering when you're going into it. I know there's always some expectations of how things are going to go, what people are going to do, say, etc. Mm-hmm. So, in your experience, it sounds like we both had good experiences this year, but historically, how yes. have your expectations been different from the actual event itself and how has that affected you and your family mentally or otherwise? Yeah. You know, I feel like when, especially when our kids were younger, I think the the hard part is as a, a new core family with you and your spouse and your kids, you want to create new traditions and maybe do things <clears throat> differently than your parents have done in the past. And I think that can be difficult for grandparents because they have a vision of how things have always been at holidays or Um, traditions that they've always done and now coming in with your own family wanting to do things differently I think I think potentially it could come from hurt where they're they are resistant to it or don't go along with it or just flat out ignore what you're saying because potentially it could be hurtful that it's not how they did it or they just want to do it how they've always done it Mm -hmm. and I think with really little kids there's also the aspect of, like you said, they have to nap at a certain time. They need to eat. And when we had multiple littles, it's difficult because you're trying to navigate feeding the kids, making sure all their needs are met while meeting expectations of family, I think can be really difficult. I think some things that would always bother me at holiday times is when people would comment. I felt, I felt like people would talk to my baby retroactively trying to talk to me. So they'd say things like, like, Oh, like you're hungry. Do you think you're so hungry right now? Are you hungry? Have you eaten recently? And I would be right there. And my, my thing would be to just not respond. It's like very difficult. It's harder than you would think to not answer their questions. But I'm like, if you want to know if my baby needs to eat, you can feel free to ask me. My baby cannot respond to you. But I felt like people would always do it wanting to say that to me, but talking to my child. So I was like, well, I don't know. So this is a really interesting topic. And I might go on a couple of segues. So try to rein me in if I get too lost. <laughs> so okay. you you and my wife, I think, are very similar in that fact where she this is maybe her biggest struggle with family, friends, or just, you know, being social while having a 10 month old. So she especially is very sensitive to people putting their own opinions or feelings onto our baby when they don't really have a clue what the heck is even going on. So an example of this, our baby happens to have little, you know, dark spots under her eyes her my wife Mm -hmm. has them I don't know if it's a genetic thing or what so she tends to look more tired than normal 
So yeah. the most common thing, whenever we see family or some friends, they'll be like, oh, does she look tired or is she tired? Did she just get up from a nap? And right. <laughs> my wife is similar to you mm -hmm. where historically she would just stay kind of silent and just kind of let it blow by. I tend to be a little bit of the opposite where <laughs> I'll just say flat out, no, she got up two hours ago. She's not tired and just be done with it. <laughs> totally. And I, I don't know which way is better. I think my way is better because it addresses it <laughs> head on, but I understand where you or my wife might be coming from that it's just an uncomfortable situation and it's almost totally. easier to just kind of let it pass without having any sort of dispute or disagreement. So uh, if someone were to ask me directly, I have no problem. I think it's when they are, are speaking through the baby through yeah. my baby. Like, Oh, are, are you tired? Oh, are you hungry? Are you, yeah. Are you, <laughs> are you trying to ask me? Are you yeah. trying to passively, are you trying to passively ask me this? If you are just ask me because my baby is not going to respond to you <laughs> yeah. because they can't speak, you know? Yeah. So I think it's more just like the passive comments of like, Oh, you look so tired. Are you tired? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wait if you want to ask, you know, and we were, we really enjoyed having a schedule for our kids. Like they took this many naps and around this time. Same. It's been a lifesaver. It's the, it's, I mean, I'm not trying to say that other ways are not correct because everybody does what is best for them, but it was the best because yeah. They were got the amount of sleep that they needed. They were happy. It just we could plan our day and schedule around knowing when they slept and mm -hmm. that they when they were awake, they're happy to be awake and we can do things in that in those times. But that was a struggle for my in-law family mm -hmm. because I'd be like, well, noon is the nap. Every day, every day. And then they'd be <laughs> yeah. like, can you do this thing at noon? Nope, it's still the nap time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I have a, this time or this time? <laughs> I have a question for you. I would, con well, a statement, then a question. I would consider you more of a type A personality person. I consider myself and my wife more of type A. What would you consider your husband in terms of personality type? Oh, it's a very interesting question because in some aspects he's very type A, but he's, he, I would say tends more towards the relaxed okay. end, and, which I think Let's is very go good because I'm very, yeah, I'm very type A. And so it is helpful sometimes to have someone who can bring me down totally. <laughs> from, from, the, from the crazy a little bit. And I, I would say I have similar tendencies to that too. In large part, I am very type A. And that's probably where a lot of mine and my wife's arguments come from because we're both very controlling and we do not yeah. like doing things other people's ways, especially <laughs> each other's. And yeah, so then it can be difficult. Exactly. But it, there are a lot of cases where I'm happy to go with the flow. But in general, yeah. I think but in general. for a type A person, this type of scheduling, it allows you to be in control. It allows you to have an yeah. idea of how your day is going to go and plan yes, for things very great. and be organized and efficient, which is very important to us, as it sounds like it is to you. That's, it is 
very important to me. Yes, efficiency. Love efficiency. Yeah. And we, that's actually been our biggest struggle with my parents. I would say my wife's parents are more on the go with the flow side of things as Persians kind of do in, in some cases, they're more of like, Oh no, you decide you do this. You, you, you tell Mm -hmm. us what to do, where, where we need to be there. And my wife can be like this sometimes too, where it's almost like they do not want to make any decision whatsoever in terms of having it be the wrong decision, if that makes sense. Mm. So that's, that can be, that can be be really (laughs) difficult in its own right. But with my parents, I would say that that's been the biggest struggle because before we had our daughter, the most common family time we would spend would be like a Sunday night dinner. And we would do that throughout the pandemic. Like every weekend we would go up and hang with them for Sunday night dinner. And my dad in particular, he's very much on that tradition side of things where if he, Mm. if he has something that's going well, he wants to keep it going that way. And he does not want to make any changes whatsoever. Mm, And so now that we have our daughter and we've been shifting through different schedules as she grows up, we do not like (laughs) to do dinner because it's challenging when she goes to bed at 730. (laughs) We give her a bath at 630, a bottle at 7, put her down at 730. So we have to be at dinner at like 445 at the latest (laughs) to actually be able to spend time together. And that makes it hard. So I was going to say, I think for the, to our point earlier, they also, I feel like can tend to not understand because they didn't do that part of infancy. And so specifically like my father-in-law or your dad, who they didn't do that. They, they weren't the one having to potentially miss dinner because they were putting a kid to bed Sure. or they, they didn't have to miss some of the happenings at holidays because it was the wife that was putting the baby to sleep or dealing with the baby issues. And so I think sometimes they cannot understand because they don't have those memories of what it felt like to have to leave early or miss the dinner or whatever, because they potentially weren't doing any of that. Exactly. Yeah. And I, you're spot on. They just can't, really understand it because they never went through it. Right. And so as a result, most things that people don't understand, they're afraid of and they get pissed off about. Yeah. And, and that's totally. where the struggle comes in. So yeah, that it, 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 it's very interesting because as our kids get, it, it's really a short amount of time. It seems very long, especially when you have, after you have your second and then you start kind of from spot zero mm-hmm. of multiple naps in the day and and all these things that you're older eventually grows out of. But now as we're kind of entering a new phase where our youngest is two, Mm -hmm. it really is shorter that time than it feels very long in the moment. And then now our older kids don't nap. They can do many things in the day and there's a lot more flexibility. And I have felt surprised on the other side, how quickly that time has passed when in the moment I thought it would never end. Yeah, and I'm in the moment, so I feel like it will never end. It feels like it will never end. <laughs> yeah, and so with your two older kids, what what would you say now looking back, in your opinion, are the pros and cons in your own life of having the younger child, having a structured schedule where there's 
two, three, maybe one nap, whatever stage they're in. And maybe having that time as your time to do whatever you need to do or just relax or whatever, because that's what I use it for <laughs> usually. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, versus having now your older ones who are not having naps, can do more things throughout the day, may need to be entertained more throughout the day, mm-hmm. or maybe they're entertaining themselves on their own. I don't know. So they, how, do, they also do that. <laughs> yeah. So how has that been, you know, retroactively looking back? What would you say you enjoyed about each stage? I think having that time, that nap time as an adult, having that time to yourself to do, maybe do chores, but maybe not, maybe read, maybe do whatever Mm -hmm. you may want to do was one of the best things that we did. Even as kids got older, then our kids go to school. We don't homeschool them. So as they get older, then they're in school. Ah, school. Didn't take that into account. (laughs) Yes, they don't nap. They're down now, but they're not here. (laughs) So my two older in school and then my third naps. And I'm, I have that time again to myself. It was when we had two young, I think the hard part about having a second is that then their, their naps rarely overlap. Mm -hmm. So you could have both kids napping multiple times a day, but not have any free time. So that is a little bit of a struggle. We would always try to have some part of their naps overlap if we could. Mm Mm-hmm because it's just helpful for your mental sanity. And also having a bedtime helps because then you know you have some time at the end of the night to yourself. But I would never I would never do it a different way because it provided, like you said, provided them with like a routine, us with knowing what will be to come. Mm-hmm. And now as our old kids got older, so I will, my oldest napped until she went to kinder. So she was still taking, I had to cut her from, I was like, you can't take a nap (laughs) a few weeks before she went to kindergarten. I was like, you can't take a nap anymore because you're going to school. She loves to sleep. So that was just her personality. (laughs) Who doesn't? I know. know. And with my middle child, we would do what would be called a rest time. So even if he didn't sleep, he would go into his room for maybe an hour, read books. And now he couldn't actually read them, but he would just look at them, mm-hmm. um, look at books. Sometimes he could have a toy in his bed and sometimes he would fall asleep and sometimes he wouldn't, which was fine. We were like, you don't have to fall asleep. Just stay in your bed. Sometimes we, if he really wasn't sleeping, we were like, you can play in your room, but we'd have typically an hour dedicated for that as like a quiet time that we got as a, as a time to just regroup. And then he got time to, rest and come out refreshed. Yeah. So gotcha. we would typically do something like that and we really, it was very helpful. Yeah. Cause where we're at now, our daughter's taking two naps throughout the day. And right now she's, I guess in her seventh leap, whatever the heck that means. I don't really follow yes. that as closely as my wife does, but yes, yes. she's not liking to sleep her second nap as much as she used to. Yeah, so she'll, she'll I was like, around a year, they typically drop yeah. one nap. And it's so, hard. So <laughs> usually I try to get as many things done, whether around the house or go for a workout or whatever, mm-hmm. while she's napping. And it's become harder <laughs> to do that. And especially even when she goes down at night, usually my wife and I are doing as much things for ourselves as we can, whether it's my wife or myself taking a bath, because I love baths too, and or cleaning up the house or 
finally watching totally. a TV show we haven't watched for two years, <laughs> something <Yeah>. to that effect. <laughs> totally. But we totally. we always promise we're we're gonna get down and go to sleep at a reasonable time, like nine nine thirty, and always it's ten ten thirty at minimum <laughs> that we finally get into bed Same, because it it's your only time. I know. To be- and a, a human. That's how I'm like, it's my only time to be a human. Yeah, which is crazy. And that's one thing I did not account for and <laughs> didn't fully expect in terms of being myself and having that time not taken away, but changed. That's been a little bit harder to navigate personally. But yeah, overall, it's still going well. And despite her troubles with her second nap and having some more separation anxiety right now she's in my favorite stage as far as her development she's making all these fun noises she's starting to sound like a monkey when she sees a monkey she's making raw noises it's the cutest thing i've ever seen i can't believe it's all that sleep her brain is i know i know (laughs) and she she loves reading too which is great because i think that's gonna continue and she's now flipping her, the pages herself, and she she does this funny thing where if she has a book she's no, she knows and she's read a lot or looked through because she doesn't actively read, she'll super fast flip through the pages to get to the one she wants. Then she'll spend like two minutes just on that page, just looking around or feeling things and making noises. And then she just keeps flipping <laughs> until the end and uh, makes noises <laughs> to get to the next book. It's so funny. I, I definitely think so far this is the cutest stage, which I imagine I will it just, continue. It just keeps, yes. Yeah. Because they'll learn words and then mm-hmm. combine words, and that's really fun too. <laughs> yeah. I think we can probably shift to the I, the topic of the week in – what's going Which on is always less less fun yeah <laughs> less exciting <laughs> more, it's heavy a it's little heavy. more heavy and depressing so this week we're tackling gun control and the topic to discuss is the unfortunate shooting in michigan i don't know specifically where in michigan i probably should but Not honestly yeah do you would you mind starting us off and giving a brief rundown of the okay. situation I'll give a brief rundown. So okay. it says, it says Oxford. Okay. Uh, people know where that is. So in this instance, it was slightly different than some of the other shootings in the sense that the parents had specifically bought the gun for the child mm-hmm. as a gift for, I believe his birthday. And there were posts on social media. There was a lot of evidence that they had bought the gun for him. And I think they're now retroactively saying that it wasn't, but there's quite a lot of evidence saying his new gun, all this stuff. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so the gun was bought for the child, the underage child who wasn't allowed to own a gun Mm -hmm. was bought for him. And then at school, he well, prior to the day of the shooting, he was looking up how to buy ammunition online and got caught. And then his parents sent him a text saying, ha ha ha, you have to learn how to not get caught. We don't mind if you do that, but just learn how to not get caught. This is all things that they have found after the shooting. And, and so if I recall correctly, this, uh, he was actually 
Yeah, sorry, go on. He he was searching no, for that me. on at the school, if I remember at correctly. At the school, correct. Yeah, yeah. And yes, so the correct. school was, and flagged got, that and, and found caught. out. Yeah. Yeah, flagged that and contacted his parents. And his parents, they have a text from his parents, because they search their phones and stuff, mm-hmm. have a text from his parents saying, We don't mind if you do that, just don't learn how to not get caught or something along those effects. Right. And so then the day of the shooting, he was drawing images disturbing images of shooting shooting kids he was flat like taken to the office his parents were called to school and did not inform the school that he that they had given him a gun they had bought him a gun did not ask him if he had his gun with him and the school asked them to take him home and also required that they get him mental health services within 48 hours mm-hmm the parents had said that they were not going to take him home and he got sent back to class and then the shooting school shooting happened. I think there were also texts they found from the parents when the news was breaking that there was a shooting at that school specifically, mm-hmm. there were texts from the parents to him saying, don't do it. Please don't do it. Right. So they obviously had some type of feelings that he could potentially have been the the shooter and what's different about what's different about this case than a lot of other cases is that they are also bringing charges against the parents for buying him a gun not not informing the school that he had a gun or informing that that he could possibly have it with him Mm -hmm. and the charge is involuntary manslaughter just as an fyi Yes, perfect for the parents. Mm-hmm. And then there was a whole thing also where it appeared that the parents were trying to run away from the police. They were found in in a ba- in a building, an abandoned building, or they were found. I think it was in a just warehouse. an office building a or a warehouse, yeah, something like that. Yeah, warehouse, office building. They couldn't get a hold of them, and their lawyer said, "Oh, they're they're." What did the lawyer say? Like they were coming. They're gonna, yeah, they're going to surrender. Gonna they were going to surrender, and then they had found them hiding out somewhere so that's yeah. also an interesting kind of part part of that so that's yeah. kind of the rundown of what happened yeah so shitty situation <laughs> obviously what it, share share your feelings about what you feel about charging let's start with charging the parents how do we how do we each feel about that uh or what are your thoughts about that yeah my thoughts might be different than what you might expect but i'm all for it I think the parents should be behind bars. It seems, based on the evidence that you shared and the evidence that I've read and seen and listened to on podcasts, whatever, that they knew they screwed up their child. They knew and they were continuing to allow that behavior and foster that behavior to continue. My opinion with these types of kids is I think it is the sole responsibility of the parents when a child create or commits an act like this. Again, mm-hmm. I mean, really, we should have called this show <laughs> non-binary as a joke or something, because every situation, there is no black and white yes. answer to this. And there's always nuance. There's always exceptions to a generalized statement. So I always like to start with that. But in general, 
a baby is not born as an evil person. A baby is not born as somebody who's going to shoot their classmates. They learn these things, whether that's through their parents directly or through their parents' negligence of not overseeing their education or their online activity, whatever it may be. That is the responsibility of a parent. And obviously, I take that seriously now that I have a child. I know you take that seriously. And I imagine our children are going to grow up and be productive members of society and be uh, positive individuals. These kids that kill their friends and family and whatever, they there is something that went wrong somewhere. And I mm-hmm. strongly believe that it's the parents' responsibility, and that's where the issue ar- arises. And so... With well, and I think I think especially in this, and I agree with you. I yeah. agree with you. I think that parents should definitely be charged. And I think specifically in this case, he what he didn't steal a gun. He was given a gun by them Ill- illegally. Right, right. He's not old enough to own a gun, and they made the choice to give him a gun. And also, quite neg- they were neg- oh negligent, God, negligent, yeah, negligent to inform the school that he could potentially have that gun with him. Well, they yeah. So there's so much been, to that. That should, that should have been brought up. It's well, not only on them, the school fucked up on their own accord. And I not searching, not searching. Yeah, him. I would. Or, or it's interesting. I'm very curious to hear more details come out about that conversation because yeah. could like, were the parents asked by the school, is it possible that he has a gun? How how could that question not have been? I'm not sure if it was asked. Well, so I'm not saying in, in my opinion, that question. It doesn't matter whether it was asked or not. The school should have somebody who searches this person's bag and says, "We don't care if the parents say whatever they want. We're going to find out if our students are going to be safe or not." They have a gun. Yeah. Yes. That's the school's responsibility, and they clearly did not take that seriously and they drop the ball and they have, you know, they, they have responsibility there too. And I guarantee there's going to be lawsuits against the school from the victims families as a result. I think there, I think there, I think there have been some, I'm not, yeah, potentially. I'm also very interested what the legal, like what the laws are legally for. So they say the kid has to go home and the parents say no. Okay, so legally, can the school just say, like, how do, well, then what happens, right? Yeah. Legally, do does a school have to keep that kid at school if there are going to be no parents home? Or legally, you know, what was the, they asked the parents to take him home, and then the parents said no, and he went back to class? So yeah. What, like, what? I mean, that part, so what, I, I still don't understand how that went, and I don't know that that is 100% accurate. I don't know that we'll ever find out what exactly happened within that conversation. My opinion, and I don't know the legalities, and there may not be any for the record. There could be just some gray area here with regards to how schools can behave. But schools suspend and expel kids all the time. They have no issue doing that. And if that happens, the kid's not allowed on school grounds, period. End of story. So whether the parents agreed to that or not, it still doesn't make sense to me that they allowed the kid to stay there willingly when they knew there was, you know, this risk 
that it could happen. And now there's even more going back to the parents side of things. There's even more information that came out that the, the kid was exposed to other, you know, violent videos that he watched all the time of school shootings that his parents were aware of. Harming animals. He was harming animals. Exactly. He had like decapitated a bird and brought it to school. All of these things that are clear signs. And this goes into a different opinion I have on gun ownership. I, Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily think there's something wrong with having or teaching reasonably aged child how to handle a gun if it's in the context of a hunting scenario or, you know, in some cases, a self-defense scenario. I don't have an issue with that. But again, it goes back to the parents' responsibility to know their children and know what they're A, capable of, and B, where their mind's at with regards to this sort of thing. It was clear that this kid had a messed up mind for whatever reason. He was already showing an aptitude for harming people and things and animals. So that's where I think they'll nail these parents on the involuntary manslaughter charge because technically it is just a severe negligence. That's what it's defined as, I think, in Michigan, criminal Mm -hmm. negligence. So it's clearly negligent that they allowed their son to even manage, hold, possess a gun at any point when they knew this was a possibility and he was already showing signs of it. And yeah, I I think I'm all for charging the parents because clearly they contributed in a huge way. And yeah, I agree. I agree. Also, also, I did look it up. There are two separate lawsuits bringing a hundred million dollar charges against the school district. Gotcha. Yeah. Not surprised. Um, not surprised. Interesting. So that's kind of leads me to another question. So we both kind of agree. We agree on that point. Yes. Let's charge the parents. It's an interesting point to then say, okay, how does this affect other future situations, other laws? Mm -hmm. An example I've heard around is, so let's say parents buy, alcohol for an underage child and then let's they, say they drink too much yep. or they they drive drunk and kill someone yep like where what what how is this going to affect yeah so i think there's what, what do you think i think there's a disconnect potentially between that comparison and what happened here so in my point of view from more of a legal perspective this situation was a two-part situation. Part one, the person that actually murdered people was doing it purposefully. And so that's mm, not yeah. that's not considered involuntary manslaughter. That's first-degree murder. So from that Correct. perspective, there is an intent to harm and injure and kill people. That's part one. The second part where the parents come in is that involuntary manslaughter charge because they were negligent and their negligence contributed and resulted in people being murdered and killed. So that part can still potentially be true in the scenario you gave where they maybe gave their kid alcohol or maybe... that would be kind of negligent, right? Yeah, so that would be negligent. But the part where I think is the disconnect is 
the kid who got drunk and drove and killed somebody else, yes, that's also involuntary. In and, it, that would be involuntary manslaughter. Right. So sure. it's, I don't think you can go two degrees of involuntary. No, no, no. And but interesting of, do we charge parents for something like that potentially? Do yeah. we charge them for involuntary manslaughter for things like that maybe? And I think it depends. I mean, I think if yeah. I, I actually think there have been charges against parents. If let's say, mm. given the scenario that let's say you, we all grew up where there was one kid's parents who were the quote unquote cool parents. (laughs) And they were the ones that allowed their kids in high school to party at their house and drink and get drunk. We all had that scenario in our lives uh, in one way or another. So in that scenario, I can foresee there being a charge against those parents. If let's say they supplied the alcohol, they were there, they you know, allowed underage Mm -hmm. drinking to happen knowingly and willingly and Mm -hmm. supported it. And then one of those kids goes and drives drunk home and then they kill somebody. I think there's definitely lawsuits and criminal charges that that have occurred as a result of that. Yeah. 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 It's an interesting, I think it's also to the point you brought up before, which we can get into this also, Mm -hmm. but I think there is an importance in teaching instead of these issues being taboo, teaching our kids the best way with these issues. Like you said, teaching, teaching an appropriately aged 18 year old, whatever, how to shoot a gun properly for hunting, lock it away. There are safety protocols. This isn't like just like with driving a vehicle, this yeah. is an intense piece of equipment that can kill people. Yeah. You have to take this seriously. Same thing with drinking. If kids are don't understand, I think the drinking age being 21 brings some of this can be another topic that we talk about, but brings in this issue of not knowing how to properly consume alcohol. But instead of alcohol being a taboo thing, teaching kids how to properly engage with these things yeah, can make a big difference. So quick. And also, go ahead. Also, if you're in like with the gun situation, obviously the parents are like, well, if you're giving him a gun, if he, if they think he's a danger to the school, let them know he has a gun. Same thing. If you're letting kids party at your house, providing them alcohol, maybe take all the keys away, you know, let, yeah. Well, <laughs> there's a lot of things no, you should probably saying, do in that scenario differently. But not do it, but I'm yeah. saying at least if you are. Right, right, totally. Special. And I think where, so one additional point about the original scenario you brought up, it, in the example and where I think this relates is if, let's say, a set of parents had just an open liquor cabinet where when they're home, they have a 16 year old kid. Maybe they allow that kid to drink a a glass of wine or a beer or a cocktail or whatever with them while they're home, just so they can understand what it's like. And then that kid takes one of those bottles, drinks it, drives, kills somebody that I don't think there should be necessarily responsibility for those parents. That's a different, that's right. a different situation, I think. Yeah. And so one quick segue about just drinking in general, because it, you're going towards an interesting topic, which we can kind of get into maybe in a future episode. We'll have, we'll have an episode. Yeah. But I have an interesting opinion about drinking ages in general. I think 
21 is actually too young to have uh, legalized drinking. Very, inter- yeah. very interesting opinion. Yeah. So there, I don't remember what it was. I listened to this podcast that touched on this topic and it was very counterintuitive to what most people believe because most people point to the fact that, hey, Europe has this great relationship with alcohol because they let their kids drink wine. Their drinking age is 16, but it's relaxed. It's more of a suggestion, not an actual rule. And they're totally fine. Well, it turns out there's actually a huge issue in Europe for alcoholism and you know liver issues as a result of over drinking. Mm-hmm. And there's other issues that arose in terms of there being a larger amount of drinking than most people believe. And the more important part in my mind is there's a load of data now that shows that an adult brain doesn't really fully develop until the age of about 25. And we also know for a male, it develops, it develops a little earlier for a woman, a little earlier for a female. Yeah. But in general, we also know and have a lot more research now that alcohol fucks your mind up and it can screw. Yeah. We knew, we knew. (laughs) Yeah. But just chemically, I would just like to be, I didn't drink until I was in college. So that's why I'm so intelligent. Yeah. Yeah. Duly noted. But (laughs) yeah, I I think there, I think there is a severe problem having gone through college at a party school. You experienced this to a degree having gone to a high school where there was more partying than maybe some, I don't know, but we really did. Yeah. There, there is a very severe consequence with the relationship and the mindset of, around alcohol. And I think it's a very dangerous drug, the most dangerous drug really in terms of life loss, because that is the number one killer. Now I believe over cigarettes even, and yeah, I don't believe that. I, I mean, maybe the data is early because it's still a newer thing. I don't know. But mm. as far as I know, and we could double check this and fact check it, drinking related deaths and injuries are maybe the top of the list in terms of drugs, including tobacco, marijuana, you know, everything. So yeah. it's such a dangerous substance. And it's so ingrained in our social fabric and society that it's just a very interesting thing to me. And it I, is very interesting. Part we of do, me, we need a, we, we will have a whole, we need a whole episode now. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. we'll table that, but I have, I've changed my mind about that to a degree. That is <laughs> so, very interesting. That is a very different point, I would say. Yeah. But circling back to this sh- school shooting and this gun control issue, I I think there I I have an opinion of gun control that I think it should be legal to own guns or a gun. I don't know that I agree that these high, you know, count magazine assault rifles are necessary to have, but yeah. they exist and I think it's very difficult to put that genie back in the bottle, so to speak. So Mm -hmm. I don't know that that's going to change, but I think what needs to change is really what we were getting at, the mindset around it, and having a Mm -hmm. responsibility, having a parenting to a degree, whether that's directly biologically or 
from a educational perspective about why these exist, what they're for, why they're even in our constitution to begin with, which we can also touch on because there are other countries that have and can take away weapons for various reasons. But I support one's ability to own them. But at the same time, I agree with you that it is maybe the most important responsibility that you have because it is such a deadly weapon and a dangerous one, even in the use of some someone who is very capable. So yeah. I think the mindset think, around it most, needs to shift. Mo- yeah. And I think most people who even, you know, cause I would, I would say that I fall on the spectrum of wanting stricter gun control, but I don't think there's many people who want stricter gun control who think that people, no one should have a gun. I think that's a very minimal amounts of people. I think it's more, how easily can you get a gun? Should there be a background check? Should there be a mental health assessment? Should there be some of these other things in place instead of just being able to go to Walmart and buy a gun willy-nilly? I think yeah. also what kind of guns should be on the market? Like you said, these high-end, like you said, they're already out there. So that is a difficult situation. But do we need to be having those? I think no. I think that's unnecessary and really just what are you doing with that gun besides mass shooting people, right? Like it's not for hunting. It's not so. Yeah. And really constitution wise, no one's going to overthrow the government without militia because the government weapons are so far past. Yeah. I, I think, I think the idea is that, there should be some form of protection against tyranny in any sense. And if there's, let's say, enough people, and we kind of broached this subject with the last presidency and, you know, some factions of the country trying to stand up to what they thought was tyranny. So there are issues with that in general. I agree but if the government really wants, they have tanks, they have missiles, they have air yeah. air weapons. You're not gonna with your AR-15. You're not gonna. You're not gonna True. beat that tank or beat <laughs> right. the air missile. So yeah, not really not individually. Gover- if you're saying you need this for, I agree. Everyone, if you want to own a gun and you want to go through the proper channel, I think yes. You want to hunt, yes. For sure. Mm -hmm. But I think these certain weapons that have these mass capacities and the argument of, well, what if I need to over the government? Sorry, that's passed unless you own a tank and air weaponry and missiles and ships like you can't. It's country versus country. It's not really like you're going to do a tiny overthrow. Yeah. So Uh, I don't know about that argument per se, but I agree. I just think I think there should be some stricter laws. Yes, I I think so. In general, it should be more difficult to acquire a weapon, and you should have to show uh, a clear mental <laughs> capacity, some type of something. Yeah, to be yeah. safe with it, and take a class, like yeah, make make sure there's a. You have to take a class at least to say you know proper how to hold a gun, how to lock it up, how to take things out. Yeah, yeah, and. I I do know there are some states in general that have more strict laws like that and some 
gun shops in general where I'm located. I've been to a couple. I have friends and family that own guns. I do not. I think it's dangerous to even own one just myself. And it, I think, just invites danger when that's not the intention. So I don't personally own one. I don't plan to necessarily own one. I have family and friends that do. I understand why. But the point is where they've acquired their guns in general, from what I know, they have pretty strict rules and regulations and background checks and require you take a self-defense class and a safety and class. And that should just be and status quo. See, they, they, they obviously should own a gun because they're responsible with it. But people who just go and get at a gun show or Walmart or wherever mm-hmm. that you can just buy one. Show up. Not saying that they don't that they shouldn't because maybe they really know how to use it and they just buy it there. But it should be more commonplace that that would be the requirement. If you know. Yeah, I, I think most people little, agree. Let's just be a little safer. Yeah, I think yeah. I think it's actually a very it's actually a very. I think it gets politicized, but I think most people agree with not getting rid of guns, but potentially having stricter rules around owning one. Yeah. But where this relates back to the topic we're discussing, the school shooting, I think where the gun control conversation kind of gets lost is we, I think we all, most people agree to what we just talked about, but in a lot of these scenarios, they're sometimes using illegally acquired weapons i know in definitely just for example a place like south chicago where there's the most per capita shootings out of any place in the country regularly whether gang related or not a lot of those weapons that are used are acquired illegally and i think regardless of gun laws regardless if the country took away all guns in other countries, there are still mass injuries using other things, whether it's bombs, whether it's knives, mentally ill people will find a way to figure out how to harm people. It's just, I I agree. I think it just becomes a little bit harder and maybe your average teen, there will be less. Maybe there are a lot of teen shootings. I think it, a, a teen in high school, I think it will make it more difficult for the average teen to get a hold of a gun if there are stricter laws and they're locked up more properly and they're just less around. Yeah, fingers crossed. How, how do you fingers. send your kids to school with this stuff in the news? Because <laughs> it freaks me out. I think it's, I think it's, yeah, I think it's hard. I think it's scary. We had our schools recently had, and there was a nationwide thing going around, but a nationwide posting going around that kids were reposting about that there was going to be mass shootings at schools on the, on a certain day. Mm -hmm. So on the Friday before school let out for winter break, the elementary school that my kids go to had a safety, it was a safety day. Like a drill. And so not a drill, a whole day. So it was, they couldn't go outside for reset because there were these threats. The school, the high school went remote mm-hmm. for that day on Friday. And then the other schools in the area, cause they had a threat and the other schools in the area, basically kids could not play outside for recess. So they did inside recess. 
class kids couldn't walk by themselves. Everything was done inside. They didn't go to specialists because they didn't want kids walking because their elementary school has outside hallways. So they didn't Mm -hmm. want the kids walking outside from place to place. They had extra security. So there was a whole, and they tell the kids, they tell the kid that kids that there's a wild animal nearby and that that's why they have to take these protocols as to not traumatize the kids that it could be. Interesting. But so they, so, but they they knew because they were reposting it. You're saying. Oh, I think older kids. The, yeah. Sorry, the elementary kids, they tell it's a wild animal. Okay. They say there's a wild animal nearby, so you guys can't play with recess outside all this stuff to try and not traumatize them. But the older kids, the high schoolers know mm-hmm. that there's a school shooting threat and they have to do school online and stuff. But, I mean, it's a very real scary thing to send your kid to school and not know, you know, is this going to be okay? I mean, even, you know, movie theaters, all these things that yeah. things that we go to. Yeah, it's an interesting world we're living in. It is very intense. Yeah. On that note, let's wrap it up. <laughs> uh, we gotta end somehow on <laughs> Yeah. We gotta somehow end on <laughs> <laughs> maybe a positive we'll, note. We'll, we'll we'll brainstorm and we'll we'll do like a something. Well, how about this? <laughs> the I'll take a step backwards because this is actually, believe it or not, one of the reasons that I was telling myself for a long time that I didn't want to have any kids because the mm. world's fucked up and these are real risks and it concerns me. And I just didn't want to have that as a uh, part of my anxiety <laughs> selfishly. Yeah. But what changed for me is I met somebody who obviously I love and loved. And I thought that we in turn could actually contribute to a better version of society by bringing a child that we raise into the world. Yeah. And I still believe that I still go in with that intention that any child we have, we're going to do our best to teach the right values to teach you know, what it means to love your family, love your neighbors, love your friends and not harm people and why you shouldn't and have responsibility and not go into a deep rabbit hole online about (laughs) uh, (laughs) jihadists and, you know, terrorism, whatever it is to get sucked into that sort of mindset, which is easy. There's very effective ways to bring young minds into that world. And I will say it is the parent's responsibility going back to the topic to mm-hmm. manage their child's life and make sure that they're okay and they understand and they can talk to them about these things if they fall under, you know, that sort of spell. So yes, I would say my kids give me the most hope for the world because yeah. of how much they care for others and how beautiful their hearts are. They make me very hopeful. They make me hopeful for the future. Yeah. The way they talk and the way they think and the way they care for others is awesome. So, so I I think, I think what we decided is we're single handedly going to solve the gun crisis (laughs) issue with our families. (laughs) 
with our beautiful children. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so on that note, you're welcome, America. Uh-huh. You're welcome, the world. You're welcome. You're welcome, <laughs> We do this just Even out of the it. lovingness of our hearts. <laughs> All right. Until next okay, time. signing off. Thanks. See you guys next time. Bye.